Hello, folks. Welcome to the Genuinely Interested Podcast. My name is Roy Bensvi, and I'm your host. And I want to explain a little bit about the podcast before we start the show this week. This podcast is an opportunity for me to speak with some of the most interesting people I know that I can find on the internet. So either with amazing talents or achievements or just unbelievable life stories or invaluable insights into areas that they have dedicated their lives to studying. I sit down with these amazing individuals from all across the world. Really, I, I've talked to people from Slovenia to the Czech Republic to Australia to countries in Africa and South America, uh, really just all over the world. And I try to ask them the questions that will hopefully help you extract something valuable or learn something new or just get inspired by. And I do hope that you do get inspired by these talks with some sort of a call to action, maybe change something that you wanted to change for a while, or even just enjoy, you know, detaching from the world for an hour and listening to some great conversations. So whatever it is that you get from this, I do hope that you extract something from it and enjoy the conversations. All these episodes are available on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, and the rest of them. You can also find the episodes on my website, which is RoyBensV.com. You can find a lot of other information about me there as well, from photos to a little bit more insights into who I am, if you're interested. And you know, you can always go to social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there. I'm pretty active on both those platforms, although the only ones I have, and um, I try to post regularly so you can stay up to date. And also be sure to, you know, put your email on the website. Uh, I shoot emails out with updates, news, any new current information that I have will be sent via those emails and social media platforms. So yeah, make sure you're in the loop. This week on the podcast, we have Nikki, also known as Miss Organic on her uh, Instagram. And Nikki is a organic food enthusiast. She's been eating mostly organic, something like 95%, which is, I mean, it's essentially 100%. Organic food, mostly raw vegan for the last 12 or 13 years. So it's a, it's a very long time. I think she was well ahead of the fad that started maybe in the last five, six years of uh, raw vegan food and uh, organic food. I don't think 12, 13 years ago it was talked about as much. So it seems like she was just a little bit ahead of the curve. And nowadays she works with farms, farmers. She works with um, local farmers, obviously, to try to get their produce out there to people. It's really the most sustainable way to eat. I don't think there's any better way. And it's it's crazy. Like I, I remember watching one of her videos and there was a farmer there, an older gentleman, and he pulled out this plant and the whole root was just turmeric. And uh, I think we're all a little bit disconnected. I don't want to speak behalf of everyone, but at least I was. Because I, if you think about it, I don't know how a lot of the stuff that I eat is is necessarily grown, how what it looks like, how it's grown, what the process is. And I think it's good for us to know that. And it was just fascinating to see how he pulls it out and all these turmeric roots just plop down into the ground. And the, 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 you could see the earth is just, the soil is just so fertile and just, it's good land to grow stuff there. Jay is also known for its really, you know, good produce. And just because of, I guess, the weather and geographic location of it, 
Yeah. So this was a really fun uh, podcast. Nikki was a little bit afraid, I think, to maybe say some of her potentially controversial ideas. But, you know, I encourage her to speak her mind. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll do another episode where she kind of gives us a little bit more of her more controversial ideas, uh, because she didn't get to tell us this time. But I love, you know, I love ideas. Um, as long as people are are civil and fun, and uh, there's a good faith argument to be made on their behalf, it's all good. We we need to listen to other people with different ideas. That's the only way for us to have. If you only listen, if you're in your echo chamber and you only listen to people who have similar opinions, you're really not learning or not even challenging yourself intellectually and in any capacity. So it's good to have conversations, not arguments. I mean, it could lead to arguments, but conversations, that's the goal with uh, people have different opinions outlandish opinions and yeah we actually i agreed with her on the majority of the things we discussed um so it was a lot of fun she's very bubbly conversation was a lot of fun and i i'm saying fun a lot Uh, yeah i know but it really was you guys just listen to the conversation i'm sure you'll enjoy it uh we talk a lot about organics we talk about she worked with uh mma stars and she helped them with with their diets and to cut weight. And she does this with juicing and just a lot of plants. And we just talk about her journey, you know, what she did to get to where she is right now, and maybe some of her future plans as well. So I hope you do enjoy this episode as much as I did. And without further ado, here is this week's guest, Nikki Geffen. The Genuinely Interested Podcast. How you doing, Nikki? I'm good, really good. How are you? Am I saying it correct, Nikki? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, cool. No, because uh, I've never seen it spelt that way before. Yeah, it's short for Nicola, and that's a little bit different. That's how my mom spelt it. So we just run with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really great. Um, you know, living in a great part of Australia, and it's uh, you know, it's summer pretty much all year round, and the organic fruit and veg are always uh, available. So, yeah, we've got, got everything at our fingertips here. It's great. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't have too much to complain. I remember I was in Australia in 2000 and uh, maybe I want to say three or four, long time ago. Yeah. And uh, I spent like six months there. And, yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, there's nothing not to like about living in Australia. I, totally- like, I don't understand why not more people just immigrate to Australia and just start flying. I mean, there's just what, there's 20, 30 million people and like there's barely, it's barely populated, right? The majority of it is just open land. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The most, yeah, I think 80% of the population live around the coasts and um, yeah. and, and the big cities. Yeah. And as far the West Coast, like how populated is that? Barely, right? Yeah. It's, well, it's fairly, I mean, it's fairly isolated. I spent six months there last year and it's, um, you know, because wow. it's, it's so far away from the rest of Australia, but it's a really, it's a really beautiful state. Um, I stayed in Perth, and yeah, people are lovely. It's a lot slower paced to what I was used to in Sydney, so yeah, I really liked it there. But yeah, it's we think of it over here on the east coast is very far away, and it's yeah, it's very isolated. It's not like 
you know, the east coast of America where there's lots of action and lots of activity. It's like Perth and then it's country. Yeah. But yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember there was a video, of, uh, I forget, a few years back where um, the tourism board of, I want to say Perth, but it could have been some other place in that vicinity, but it was definitely on the West Coast of Australia. And they were offering this amazing job for whoever uh, were to come to that part and kind of be like um, a, a minister, uh, basically to, to do their, their, their uh, I think, social media and just to kind of shine a spotlight on that area, hopefully bring in more tourism. And they were offering this amazing gig. And I think they had like hundreds of thousands of applicants that just sent them emails wanting to, you know, essentially paradise. You're just living in paradise for a year, getting paid. I think my friend actually sent, but I, I don't remember. But yeah, I, I don't know who ended up getting it, but it looked yeah, amazing. It's definitely underrated. There. It is, um, it's, you know, it's quiet. It's, you know, people don't, unless you go, I hadn't been in 20 years until I lived there last year and I really, I loved it. It's, you know, it's very different to the rest of this side. Yeah. <laughs> so how'd you get into this whole, uh, you know, organic farmer's market movement? That's essentially, you know, when you look on your social media, that's yeah. that's the crux of it. That's what you really see a lot. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff, but that's yeah, that's the crux of it. Well, there is a lot of other stuff and, you know, my lifestyle uh, has completely changed over the last 12, 13 years or 14 since I went organic. So the organic um, food change was the beginning of everything else. Um, I was pretty much lived a, what I thought was a fairly healthy, fit life lifestyle beforehand, but I was constantly sick. I had you know, I was very overweight uh, most of my teens and into adulthood and I, you know, focused a lot on diets and weight loss and I was always on some kind of fad and um, trying to lose weight, trying to, um, you know, find the right diet really. I was always a bit of a searcher on that and, you know, keeping my fitness up but I really didn't like vegetables. I ate through like potatoes, broccoli and mushrooms and maybe a bit of iceberg lettuce. And, yeah, yeah fruit I kind of liked, but it wasn't until I went to a health retreat um, up here on the Gold Coast hinterland and I discovered the importance of eating organically, the why, the how. Um, and in the process of changing my diet, my whole lifestyle changed because, um, yeah, I stopped being sick. I stopped relying on pharmaceutical drugs, which I was regularly on. There were a lot of other healings that, uh, that took place as a result of changing my diet, but also my lifestyle changed. And, you know, I had, it became a purpose for me to teach others, you know, about the quality of life that, that changed for me, that improved. But also, um, yeah, I, I was back in teaching. I was back at uni and studying primary school education. And I love teaching. And it was because it had such a major effect on my life. And I did so many things differently. Um, I just wanted to share that with other people. So, my passion for organic food started that way and it was, um, yeah, it was, I started uh, with doing produce boxes and home delivery because that was the vehicle that I could use to get organic food and the message out to as many people as possible. Um, and then it's just continued, I guess, over the last 12 years and changed shape and form and, you know, I've moved, I've been in Melbourne for four years where Miss Organic, my business really thrive the organic food community and a biodynamic community with the farming is the food there is un incredible so I really um I love being there and sharing organics that way and 
Then it extended to a bit of public speaking and working with uh, mixed martial artists in gyms, helping them prepare for fights, you know, helping them cut weight in a healthy, sustainable way, you know. So it's not just the week before, it's having a healthy lifestyle pretty much all the time and then doing what they need so that they're not fighting dehydrated or malnourished. And so that became a passion of mine too. But it, you know, now it's extended to something completely different uh, moving up here um, to this region where I'm at now and where I've been the last six months. But everything is pretty much geared towards um, teaching people why we eat organic, how we can do it, and sharing and supporting the farmers' uh, incredible work that uh, feed us, yeah, keep us healthy. <laughs> is is organic like the top of the, for lack of a better term, top of the food chain for you as far as the things that you're looking for? Like, because you're vegan, right? With my diet, yeah, of course, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for 10 and a half years. Um, I went organic pretty much 14 years ago. So I'd been vego most of my life. I grew up with a vegetarian mum and uh, never liked the taste of meat. I never liked the idea. My brother as a seven-year-old, uh, he used to tell us, you know, about our food, having a mother or used to walk or, you know, he really put us off our um yeah, our food when we ate animals. So I always had that in my head. But when I went organic, I read the different research to show me that I needed to eat animals to be healthy. And I got involved in the paleo diet for the first 18 months of being completely organic. And then it went all the way towards being raw vegan. And now I'm sitting at a happy vegan, mostly mostly raw uh, food in the summer, but I do like to cook. But the whole the main focus for me is eating whole foods, um, eating certified organic and biodynamic food, and yeah, eating it super fresh and supporting my local organic farmers. Like you know, because it's cheaper as well when you eat mostly fruit and veg. I think it's the cheapest, most sustainable diet. So and most kind to the you know the nature, the environment, and of course the animals. So yeah. <laughs> So organic would be, like I said, that would be the top, right? So if you had a vegan option, but it wouldn't be, because not those two aren't necessarily joined. So no. if you had vegan options, but not organic, you would, that's not something you would necessarily choose. You would rather go for an organic version. Always. Well, yeah, if I had the choice, I mean, I, I 95% of the food I eat, I cook at home. I make it home. Um, I like to know where it's from and I like to eat fresh and I know that it affects my brain and my body and my whole mood and attitude. So I want to eat yeah. well so that I can function really well. And, but yeah, if, if there were an option and I was out and it was organic, but not vegan, then of course I'd definitely choose vegan and not organic because yeah, there's just no, I wouldn't compromise on, on that. But, you know, I, I'd, I'd always prefer something to be both. Um, and that's why, you know, I can eat at home and, uh, and do that. But yeah, veganism has been really important to me over the last 10 and a half years and it's something that I advocate for. But the way that I do teach about veganism is through um, the organic food diet and lifestyle because I feel like when people eat healthy and they naturally eat more organic food and they take the chemicals out of their diet and their body and their life, you know, their homes, I feel like naturally we lean towards eating. Um, and I've seen it with customers they eat less animals or animal products and then they go towards being vegan because they found 
a lot of people who follow my Instagram, they found when they use my recipes or I share people like the happy pear or other people's recipes, they realize they're eating well and they don't want to, or they don't need to eat animals. And I mean, that's how I went from paleo to raw vegan. I, I met these wonderful vegans who were raw vegans and they showed me the green smoothie revolution and by Victoria Botenko. And, and I started having one green smoothie a day and eating whatever I wanted, you know, around it, which was organic and, you know, quite meat heavy, but not, you know, not, I mean, it was a meat diet. Um, but then towards the end of the 30 days, I found that I didn't want to eat any animal products anymore. Um, I still, well, I still had some eggs and raw dairy for a little bit of time, but then I started to feel better with less and less. And then I watched a documentary, um, Earthlings that just, yeah, that's a rough one. It just showed me that I don't need to eat animals to be healthy. So it it proved to me, you know, I've read the research, the science and people's experiences from both camps of organic paleo and organic vegan, you know, and I focus on healthy vegan diet, not and that, you know, healthier animal product-based diet. And I'm set on organic vegan. You know, I just, that just, resonates with me for as I said for animals for the planet for our health and for our farmers health I just sat on that yeah especially after watching earthlings and being very sick uh I just went no no thank you (laughs) don't need that earthlings is a rough one to watch I I I I do advise people to watch and I don't advise people to watch it because it's it's a it's a rough hour and a half to to sit through but as far as diets it's Diets is, is, you know, one of those things where there's just so much contradictory information out there and it's so hard to decipher which one is the right one and which one's right for you. And and I and it, it, almost, it almost becomes religion in, in a way. Yeah. And there's people and, you know, you have fruitarians, raw vegans, you have paleo, I don't know, Atkins, um, keto. There's just there's oh, yeah. a new thing coming out. Yeah. There's something new that comes out every two months. Right. And this is the newest thing and everyone swears by it and all the Hollywood celebrities are doing it and they look so skinny and there's always something. And I just wonder if all they're doing is, is everyone from every camp just selling us just bullshit. Like is, is, I just feel like as long as, you know, obviously organic, like I don't think chemicals, all this spreading chemicals on, on the soil and on our plants and in the food is just, and, and GMO, it, they, they can't be healthy for you. Right. And, but do we, I, I, I just don't know if we always need to go to such extreme to like keep ourselves locked in within, with any specific type of diet. It's like, as long as you eat a lot of, a lot of veggies. Right. And so I guess the question is like, can you eat a lot of veggies, right? Uh, organic ones, but still eat, let's say, meat once in a while, fish once in a while, eggs once in a while, and still be just as healthy as anyone. I I believe, of course, I believe that, you know, what I eat is probably the most optimal. Um, yeah. Well, not probably, that's how I feel. But um, I I bring it back to like, listen to your heart. And, you know, stop listening to everyone else because, you know, stop looking on Instagram and social media for your diet advice. Um, it's great to take some on board. I know a lot of people nowadays look at someone with 2% body fat and will immediately follow their diet because they want 2% body fat. 
it's very superficial and um, base level. And and it yeah, doesn't mean they're healthy. No, they're not. Probably not. They're probably starving. They're probably constipated, and they're probably really moody, and they're probably relying on caffeine and stimulants to provide them with fake energy instead of eating properly. So I always think that nature knows best. You go eat with as close to nature as possible. To me, even without science, I use I use logic to you know first arrive at where I was at and go: Is this healthy for? like nature, the environment, as you said, spraying chemicals on our food and in our soil, it's not good for us. It's not good for the animals. So I say to vegans, if you want to look after the animals, then you eat food that, you know, connect with the food that you do eat and, um, yeah, leave out the, you know, they, they're killing those animals by spraying fungicides, pesticides, herbicides. It's designed to kill all life and including us. So we don't want that. But the question, can you still be as healthy if you're still eating animals? I'd say no, but I do say, and this is why I advocate more towards fruit and veg consumption and publicly on my Instagram rather than saying go vegan, go vegan, go vegan, is because first of all, it's more accessible, it's more welcoming, and I would rather someone go at a slower pace towards where I'd love for everyone to be rather than go and not understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and like go vegan, go this. You know, a lot of vegans say, you know, you just do it overnight and, you know, just go vegan for the animals. But I'm pretty sure that 95% of us never did it that way. So that's why I like the more gentle approach because it is more approachable and you feel what your body needs. And and I say that because a lot of people don't actually know. Like I say it gently because a lot of people don't know what they actually need because you know, if you're relying on stimulants by day and alcohol by night, sometimes your, your gauge of what your body needs might be a little bit off-centre. But the more healthy food you eat, the more I feel like we're inclined to go down where our body, you know, thrives and what, what we feed it to thrive. So um, so I just, yeah, ultimately, yep, I'm going to say organic, mostly raw, plant-based, vegan diet, you know, vegan diet or plant-based because the diet and the lifestyle, of course, is a, a different thing with veganism. But, um, but yeah, I just say you, yeah, you need to, if you want to be healthy, the more fruit and veg you eat from an organic or biodynamic source, the healthier you're going to be. And as and well, potentially, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say as well, for me, it wasn't just about diet. It was a starting point for me. But lifestyle, you know, um, act, movement, activity, meditation, um, you know, yeah, getting out in nature, having the a right amount of hydration and sleep, and and all those things, and having positive relationships and a passion that you, you know, having a passion in life. I mean, that's just as important to to have and you know have a purpose as you know the food you eat. So yeah, yeah, and and and. And you're also, you know, just looking at your Instagram and and I know a lot of people on social media that are vegans and that's kind of like, you know, it's it's that quintessential stereotypical preachy vegan where the vegans in the headlines and vegan it's just it's like shirts it's just everywhere, right? And it's you kind of stuff it down people's throat, but you're the opposite. Like you don't you just like, hey, this is great food, this is organic, this is healthy for you. You know, and you have this like 
bubbly, happy personality. You know, ah. you have a healthy, you, you know how some people just look radiant and healthy. And I feel like you kind of, you sell that. Like, that's all you need to sell. Like, you don't need to, to stuff it down anyone's throat. It's, it's like, you. you're the brand and that's what you're selling. That's all you need. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I, um, I, and that's why I share, I mean, I, everyone, like everyone, we share our best bits, but I do share my lifestyle that I live because I, you know, I want people to, to join in and, you know, I want people to feel better. I want people to take responsibility for their own health. Like I did, like walk away from things that don't serve your health long-term, like taking drugs every month, pharmaceutical pills for things that you can heal naturally um, by doing all those lifestyle things that I changed. Um, those kind of things. I really appreciate your compliment. There are times when, um, you know, you, you're not always feeling great or you're not always at your best. And, and I feel that, you know, uh, since I went, I got healthy, I, I think my mood lifted all the time. And that was, you know, it also gave me that purpose for something to teach. Um, but I think, yeah, the most important thing for me is to share the things that have helped me like improve my lifestyle, improve my life and make me feel happier and live happier. You know, when we organize swim rise meetups, you know, people come and join in. I just invite wherever I'm living at the time, we go to the ocean at sunrise, we jump in the ocean, we have a hot chocolate or herbal tea afterwards. I bring it. It's organic. And we, you know, we just have those gatherings. And for me, I learned that from other people. There were times when I came back to Sydney where I, you know, I was eating great, but I wasn't participating in community. I wasn't waking up early and I would watch certain people post on Instagram a sunrise it was the happy pair and my friend who's a lifeguard, Andy Reid, and they would post the sunrise and they would post getting up and out there and all that. And I would sit in bed watching them on Instagram and going, oh, my gosh, like I feel so bad and low and I don't know what I'm doing with my life and I'm back in, I was working in childcare and it was driving me insane. I, I saw these guys posting and they were so happy. And I was like, I want to do that. And that's how I got back into my organic stuff and sharing my passion because I saw other people posting what they're doing and I thought, well, and that's why I post my sunrise every day or well, not every day. Cause I'm like, okay, they've seen this sunrise, but it, <laughs> I just feel like if someone decides and I get messages a lot, I get more messages from my sunrise stuff than my recipes because people are, Oh, I want to do that. Or I want to come or you've inspired me to get in the ocean in the middle of winter. I'm that's like, an experience. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe they might, have a hot chocolate or a herbal tea instead of a, a coffee or maybe they'll eat an apple or a banana instead of, I don't know, a chocolate cake, you know. And the more that you're in on Instagram, I think we, we can use Instagram for really powerful cause and message. And I love Instagram because it's connected me to some incredible ideas and people. And, yeah, for me to, yeah, to share that, it's, yeah, it's really important because you're giving people, like especially with farmers markets, you show people where to shop at the farmers markets, and that will bring joy to people. I know because you rarely see some of the farmers markets with a miserable face. You know, yeah. so that's why I post it, and I love it. You know, just yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a farmers market back in in New York City, and um, 
when I was living there right now, we're up in Connecticut uh, for the last six months. But uh, when we're in New York City, there's a farmer's market. And I literally went there every Saturday for at least two years. And, um, you know, I just love. Yeah, like you said, like, I've, you know, you never go there with a frown on your face. It's always with a smile on your face. So, yeah. And it's, you know, you, it's, it's, it's great to connect with, with farmers and it's great to eat locally as much as possible. So those are great attributes as well. But, you know, yeah. as far as the, the, the Instagram thing you mentioned, I was thinking about this while, while, while you were talking and I try not to do that. I try to listen and not think when I'm listening to someone, but sometimes it just, my brain just, you know, yeah. it doesn't, I, I don't control it, but <laughs> There's, there seems to kind of be, it's, it's split into two camps. On the one hand, you have people like, like you, right. That saw this inspirational thing and were like, dude, I want to do that. And just got up and you connected with people and you went and you did it. Right. And then you have another group of people that those inspirational things, I think tend to depress them where, Oh, everyone's having fun or everyone looks so great. And I don't, and I'm not. And they just can't get over that hurdle of, oh, everyone's having fun, but I'm stuck at home working a shitty job. Yeah. I feel like that's the, you know, that's the positive, what you referred to earlier of, of social media. And then this is unfortunately the the negative aspect of social media. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there is. And those kinds of, if I'm feeling that way or if I'm ever, because we always judge and compare whether we like to, you know, say it or not, but yeah, anything that I see that doesn't make me feel good or, you know, if I'm seeing that on my feed, I unfollow or I, I mute it because I want I want to see things that do inspire me. And, and yeah, it's, it's true. And <laughs> it's the way that it is. But, um, yeah, I've, I just find that especially during this time, there's a lot of people, I think of my Victorian friends and family, you know, they're in the most serious lockdown in the world and uh and I sometimes feel yeah I feel really sad for them because they're being literally locked in in like prison type conditions really? they can only go out for two hours a day um they've they've had a curfew for a few months and they have to wear masks everywhere so sometimes when I'm posting I do feel a bit sensitive towards the issues that they have there and that they you know to be free and to get outside you know it's for more than two hours a day it's a rebellious act and so you know sometimes I feel like maybe I shouldn't post but then I on the other hand I go you know what I want to give hope as well for other people that you know if we keep believing that there is going to be change and we are part of that change and we we can take steps you know keep living and that was my message when I moved up here six months ago it's been like some of the six best months of my life because, you know, there's been so much change. I've created new work and new jobs and gone into avenues that I never thought possible. And I thought, you know, the key is for me to keep living during this time and, and keep whatever I can do. You know, if the border closed, which the border closed a few months ago, I couldn't get up north for work. So, you know what, I can't get up, but I'm going to make the most of it and I'm going to keep doing what I can. And so that's why I feel like we live in that hope and we share that positivity. And, you know, it's not always positive or, you know, I don't like to be, you know, it's not just share the, but just share something that will give people like some inspiration that, that there is always something that we can do. And when people have problems or troubles that they can reach out to other people. 
and I always, you know, encourage that. And, you know, in Melbourne I share the places that people can go and get their organic food and that they can go and get, you know, food from the farmers' markets. But, you know, now is the time to talk about health and talk about organic food and talk about what we can do, um, especially now where our governments are pretty much advocating that, you know, the health measures that we're taking are wear a mask, social distance, put you know, cancer-causing hand sanitizer chemicals on your hands all day, that's their health message. So I feel like we can use, and I use this Instagram for positive change and, you know, and go, here, we can take care of our health in all of these ways. Get outside, jump in the ocean, eat good food. And yeah, no, no one, no one, fear. Yeah. The government, no one's the government's telling the, the citizens, work out. Eat healthier, get vitamin D, uh, get other vitamins as well. Because vitamin D, I've, I've seen like a lot of good study about vitamin D and that it can um, reduce, uh, not immune, but you can definitely reduce the the, um, the possibility of getting COVID-19. Um, or if you have it, you can, you know, reduce the symptoms. So there's a lot of outside things that you can do. Uh, for yourself and not just wear masks and not just isolate yourself and not just hide away from people and not hug someone, but you can, but I don't know the government. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not as, um, it's not as scary and they want to scare us. They want some sort of a control over the population, unfortunately, because it's easier that way. Right. And and I, I get it to an extent that's, it's not easy. You know, if you have a country like the U S 340 million people, yeah, it's not easy to control that amount of, of people, especially here, you know, so many people have guns and they care about freedom, so-called freedom. Um, so you have to scare people a little bit, I guess, in order to, get them to comply uh, yeah. for their own safety, but they're just not giving you the full scope. They're not giving you all the information possible, unfortunately. Well, yeah, the government and pharmaceutical industries, they benefit from us being sick. And, you know, I know because that was my life up until I changed my diet and lifestyle. So, um, yeah, there is no mandate on organic food or directive to go to the farmer's market or to go out and compulsory exercise or, you know, if if they truly... Are, I honestly believe if they truly cared about our health, then, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, TV, all these things would be banned. So that's yeah. why, you know, what I... TV? Promote. You want to ban TV? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Throw it out the window. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's programming us. And, you know, the more we watch it and the more... I mean, even shows on Netflix but, and shows on... So it's social media, right? Oh, social media the same. Yeah. Oh, ideally... I mean, that's the thing. Um, we can control who we follow to an extent, but we are, you know, we're being used on social media too. But I, that's why I feel like, you know, limiting all these things, sure, we'd have a healthier lifestyle. Yesterday I was barely on my phone and I had like one of the best days that I've had in a long time. And, you know, it is. It's, it's, I was out. I was connecting with people. I was in the sunshine. I was in the ocean. I was meditating. I, was, I did a podcast. I, I did so many things that didn't involve screen contact but um yeah that's why i say we have to just use it to our benefit but yeah if the government if we wait for the government to tell us what to do and how to live um then yeah we're not living and so yeah you know living in fear and yeah i definitely feel like the television is you know a lot of people watch the news every day and I mean, oh, that, no, that's horrible. horrible. Yeah, even and as you said on social media, even watching the alternative views and opinions and beliefs on 
what's actually going on in the world. If you keep like consuming that kind of content too, that can get dark too and that can be really draining like energetically and, you know, it will have the same effect, you know, on on you as watching the news. And so that's why initially when all this started with the virus, I, you know, I started watching everything and then, you know, I also had to switch off and really control who I follow and how much time I spend on Instagram a day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, we can, we can consume, yeah. We can easily go down this rabbit hole now. Like I've, I've, I've definitely consumed too much time on that. I've definitely been on Twitter way too long, but I feel like it's in our essence, you know, the Dan, um, I think his name is Dan Butner. Uh, he has a book, uh, the blue zones and yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things, uh, and the blue zones is basically a few, uh, for people who don't know, it's a few areas in, in the world where people are, uh, the most centenarians and, what they have in common. And one of the things that they have in common is community. A lot of them have very deep sense of community. And that's something, especially now with COVID where everyone's isolating. And I see this, like, even when you see someone, you're, you're afraid to shake their hand, you're afraid to give them a hug. And, you know, we need that. We're, we're social beings, we're social creatures. We need to hug. We need to be with people we need to communicate with people and you know this social media and and the internet and all that stuff that's a great equalizer that's you know democratized a lot of things but it has also give you given you a a, a synthetic version of what communication is right like it's great like you and i can have a conversation now you're in australia i'm over here in the u.s but it's not a replacement for you know, sitting down with someone and really communicating or in a group of people and really communicate like a Zoom conference call is not going to replace, you know, sitting with four or five friends uh, on a beach next to a bonfire. Yeah. And that's, that's my real, that's my biggest concern in all of this chaos and whatever is happening, happening is that we are being distanced and separated from each other and our loved ones. And I've, I feel like the impact of that on our all aspects of health, mental, emotional, physical and spiritual health is much more detrimental to us than any virus that's going on here. And I know that the suicide rates um, in areas of lockdown are, are so high now. And, you know, it's, yeah, we're being separated. Um, I'm lucky now that I live in an area that we can gather, we can have some kind of events or community, um, you know, gatherings or small gatherings. Um, and I find, you know, when we weren't allowed those things, I, I really felt separated from people. And, you know, it was when I first moved up here. So my therapy and my way of connecting was going to the farmer's markets. And there are farmer's markets every day here except for Monday. So really? you go around and obviously they said essential services only and shopping and all that. So I, I could shop for vegetables every day. So I went to the farmer's market. And I met some of the most incredible farmers and um, and people, and that's how I created the work that I'm now doing every day. And because I kept going out to connect, so that's the thing. Even if you can't, you're living somewhere where you're being separated. You can always go to the farmers markets, and that way you can get your vitamin D as well. You can get your organic food, and you can see people and smile at people. Hopefully. If, they don't make you wear masks, you know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, 
it's it is pretty heartbreaking uh, how we are being distanced and you know threatened with fines and fear. So um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's my two cents. Oh yeah, it's a bit, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> what um so what do you so do you have essentially a co-op that you work with other farmers and, and, and you sell that or how, how does your business work with farmers? So, so nowadays I don't do produce boxes anymore or that kind of service. Um I I was going to do that again, I moved away from it. So my my work is all about increasing the demand for organic food in Australia. So and obviously the world. So what I do is I help um farmers, farmers markets. Um, you know, I work with a few individual farmers, but I teach about how to use social media, how to promote and market yourself, and then also in the selling area. So I sometimes work with other farmers on their stores um, and and then do the whole, whole social media process of so educating people about, you know, the community about these farmers, like showing them that they exist. And, you know, I'll interview a lot of farmers and I'll take photos of them and then share it on social, different social media platforms. I sometimes work with, you know, those farmers and, you know, manage their accounts or what I've been lucky to, to do lately is work with farmers markets. And I've got a few more that I'm about to start working with and running their social media. So really educating, but also informing the community and the population that here we are, we exist, because I think that a lot of people, unless they're reminded they forget to get that there's a farmer's market and they don't know what's on offer at the market. So I'm using my social media and marketing experience and, you know, training from way back that I've used for my own business now for other people to promote their work, to promote organic farming. And, um, yeah, it, it started out as me just doing that, that on my account and now I get to do that with other people. And, I yeah, I find it's the best way to you use the farmer's message and their, yeah, their story, but also how it all works. Like I've been going to farms myself and learning so much about organic farming and then I can share that with others on all the different platforms. And then it just gets people eating more organic and then clicking like, wow, I don't want those chemicals on my food. I'm going to go to the farmer's market and here's the solution. Here's where the farmer's market is. So, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, my main work is social media and marketing with farmers. And uh, that was something that I, yeah, didn't even dream of doing when I got up here. I just I just created it through my passion of wanting to share their story and then people, um, beautiful farmers and organisations have given me the opportunity to do that. Um, and, you know, that's work, which, yeah, is amazing. It, it just happened organically, pardon the pun. It did. It happened very organically. And as I said, it started out by going to farmer's markets. And the one that I've just recently finished my contract with, Lismore Organic Market, they're the oldest organic market still existing in Australia. Tiny little market in a small town. And uh, I just walked in one day. I was like, what's going on here? Like I didn't know about this one. And and I was absolutely honoured to be uh, running their social media for like 10 weeks. And, you know, I shared the market from my experience. So as an outsider, as a community member, um, sharing my stories and experience with the farmers instead of them doing it from the inside and, you know, posting what, you know, you know, from a farmer perspective, it yeah. was, 
me celebrating organic farmers and showing the community how important it is to come to the market and how much I love it and you know the music and the atmosphere and you know some incredible farmers like their produce is next level and I was like I need to tell people about this so they gave me run their social media accounts I was like this is brilliant <laughs> oh I get to talk about organics non-stop yeah <laughs> really lovely yeah yeah I mean it's you, you always sell something better when you believe in it and yeah. you obviously believe in it so it's a it's a no-brainer but yeah. what you know how good is australia for because countries depending on on their climate on their terrain on you know um seasons they have they can only grow certain things at a certain time of year but how good because australia is it's a massive place and it's yeah. it's pretty hot year round so i mean how good is it for uh organic uh produce because uh, I'm assuming you, I'm assuming you probably grow the majority there. You don't have to import too much. Yeah, organically, um, it's very rare to import fruit and veg. Um, there are spaces and seasons. Uh, I don't even remember so far back. I remember once they were bringing in onions from California, but besides that, everything you know, you want it locally, and also kiwi fruit from uh, New Zealand they were bringing in. But for me, I just say, you know what? If it's not grown in Australia, it's not available. We don't need to eat it because it's not seasonally, you know, that's not eating seasonally really. Um, and there's so much variety that why would I need to eat it? New Zealand's your neighbor right there. I know, but they're like, it's far away. So <laughs> by flight and you go, if I, I don't need to eat kiwi fruit if I've got like 20 or 30 other organic fruits available. So it's more, it's if the consumers demand it because they're used to the conventional and then the, you know, the wholesalers will bring it in. But where I live, like northern New South Wales and southern Queensland and even up to Sunshine Coast, there are so many certified organic farmers. I've never met more in my life than in this area, this region. So it's abundant. It's always available. So people talk about access to produce that's cheap um, and, you know, organic. You know, I think it's too cheap. It's a lot of the time it's cheaper than the conventional food in coal in the big supermarkets. It's crazy how cheap it is here. But in Melbourne, in all the big cities, you do get good quality organic food year-round. And when we talk about the seasons, they do talk about Australia-wide, but I do like to eat locally and in season now because I have the opportunity. So in March, April, May, they weren't growing broccoli in this region yet. They were growing it down south because it was getting cooler. But I thought, you know what, I don't need that yet because in my region it's not. So why would I need to ship it from down south? where I can just eat whatever's at the farmer's market. And that's the beauty of our farmer's market here is if it's not grown locally and it's not there, it's not available, I don't need to eat it because I've got, I've got like 30, 40, 50 varieties of even just leafy greens from different farmers. Yeah. It's just insane how, how available it is here and like what it's such premium quality when you, you know, when you deal with, you know, organic home delivery who generally do it fresh and also farmer's market, you, yeah, you get the freshest, best quality organic food. So it's everywhere. It's just, it's harder in the regional towns, um, which is, you know, a lot of the farms are in those areas and they bring it into the city. But I think if you live close to a major capital um, and along the coast up here um, and even, you know, Byron Bay, Ballina, all around that area, Lismore, you never go hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah 
I mean, Australia has, I know here in New York or in New York, there's a serious impact by Australians, especially in, in the, in the coffee scene. Um, there's so many coffee shops. I remember in the past, maybe five or six years, like all these coffee shops were springing up all over New York city and also restaurants, not not only specifically, but I do remember a lot of coffee shops, all Australian owned. Yeah. Like, do you you guys have a strong coffee culture? Yeah, there is a strong coffee culture. I don't, I used to drink coffee. I don't drink coffee myself, but I know it's a very Australian thing. Like we are like, I mean, it's an Italian thing. It's an, we have, you know, there was a big influence European influence, um, you know, back in the day. So that, that especially in Melbourne, there was a huge coffee culture. And I know that when I did drink coffee, Melbourne's, you know, they make the best coffee and, but also the food culture. It's not just the coffee, it's the food. And Australians are more known nowadays for high quality food and, you know, high end restaurants. And I mean, the high end restaurants, I'll just say they do use organic food because they know it tastes better. And, um, but in New York, I know my little brother lives there or has been living there. And, you know, I see all the Australian, the, you know, Australian influence food. A lot of it. Yeah. For nine years. And, um, so whenever I would go there, more Australian cafes would be popping up and I, I stayed in Brooklyn one time and there are a few Aussies and you could even get Vegemite on toast. So we do, oh, no. yeah, we do have, you know, great quality food and, you know, there's a high level, um, especially in the main areas, the main, you know, cities, um, there's a high expectation for good quality food and good quality uh, coffee. Yeah. How, how do you explain Vegemite? to a non-Australian. How, very, you, how do you explain it? It's very salty. I, I grew up on the stuff. I stopped eating it when I went organic, but before yeah. I, I went organic, I ate it pretty much every day in my life. And it's either... What is it, what is it made from? Oh, I don't even want to know. My, my old warehouse <laughs> in Melbourne, the organic one, was next door to the Vegemite factory and it stunk. It's like uh-huh. it, um, there's so many different ingredients in it and it's I think it's yeast-based and they... It just when you put it on toast with like vegan butter and you know and the it just tasted like a you know salt. I love the taste of salt, so <laughs> salty goodness. But yeah, half my family loved it growing up, and half didn't. And I think if you're Aussie, if you're born here, then it's kind of you had to love it. You know, you were like, oh, if you don't Vegemite, you're not Australian. But there's not a lot of um, nutrition natural organic nutrition in Vegemite. So, um, but it's like a, yeah, it's I'll, like, I'll, a, I'll never, like, I'll never forget what, when I lit, when I, when I was in Australia, my, my cousin was like, Oh, you have to try this. And I was like, Oh, all right. And I kind of, you know, I, I smelled it before I put it in my mouth and I was like, Oh dude, I, I don't know if I can do this. And he was like, no, no, you know, have a bite. And, and I, you know, I spit it out. I, I, I think I had PTSD from it afterwards. It was just, I, I couldn't stomach it. It was really bad. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize to all the Aussies, but I, oh, I, yeah, my sister, I, I couldn't eat it. Yeah. My sister uh, wasn't born in Australia, but moved when they, she was one. And my brother and I were born in Australia. We loved it. And my sister just couldn't smell it. Like she hated it. So I always thought it was an Australian thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, ha- you have to be born there to enjoy it. It's just, yeah, if you're right. born off the mainland, it's just not the same. Yeah, true. And there's a cafe nearby where I'm living now and they make an organic version of Vegemite. So 
I, uh, yeah, I go there sometimes to have that, which is really good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they need, yep. but I imagine that's healthier. Yeah. Yeah, probably. There was, um, there was a show I just got reminded of it. Um, I, I watched it a few weeks ago, um, Chef's Table on, on Netflix. And, uh, it's, it's not vegan by any measure, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's just the cinematography and the storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's really beautiful. And there was one episode, and you know, there was one episode that just really stuck out of me and it just so happened. The guy was in uh, Australia. Um, I'm bad with names, so I'm not gonna remember his name or the restaurant's name, but essentially all he uses w- is fire. Um, he doesn't have any, any grill, any gas, any, anything. He just, you know, um, coal, um, you know, um, fire and that's all he uses and he uses it for everything. And it looked, I mean, he uses it for veggies too. He, he, you know, like, um, what did he have kale or lettuce? And he just kind of gently puts it on the, on the fireplace. And it looks, I mean, it looked absolutely amazing. And you, and you know, I mean, when you eat something, off of a fireplace it always tastes better it's got that smoke it's got that earthiness you know so on a grill just you know or when you put it on a gas it's just it's not the same yeah and you know it's not only meat so which was very um and it was cool to see i i definitely would like to to visit and i because i don't eat meat as well and i feel like a lot of times and potentially, I don't know if other vegans feel this, but you, you you feel like you're missing out on certain experiences at times. You're like, wow, this looks like an amazing experience, you know, and not that I would go back, but just at the in the back of my head, I was like, that looks like an amazing experience. Yeah. But I wouldn't go eat there necessarily, you know? Well, a lot of the top restaurants in Australia, um, you know, around the major cities are celebrating more vegetables and fruits, you know, and doing, you know, there are one of the top restaurants or two of the top restaurants in Sydney have vegan degustation menus. And I know that they use organic produce, um, and just general, like a whole vegan menu, one of them. And they are really getting more excited about, you know, the plants rather than the animals. And, you know, they, they're so innovative, these chefs and, um, yeah, it's really extremely, they come up with, and, you know, I rarely eat out uh, at restaurants and cafes, but when I do, I, call in advance and you know I, I let them know that I'm vegan so that there's no you know fuss at the restaurant but when I yeah. get there usually the really good chefs love that challenge you know and um yeah and turn out with some beautiful things some of yeah some of my favorite meals have been at non-vegan restaurants like that create amazing vegan food out of organic produce so um awesome yeah, and everyone, you know, especially as I said, they use organic produce because it tastes better. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's where all the flavour comes from. Usually when people are cooking animals, it comes from the the plants, the herbs, the spices and all that. That's what 100%. makes that taste good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like Aussies are, are light years ahead in certain aspects um, when it comes to certain fields. Maybe, you know, maybe on the West Coast in the U.S. or maybe New York, but for the rest of the country, it's, it's not as much. When um, when did you get into into MMA and, and Muay Thai? Because I'm, you know, I'm a huge MMA guy. I've been doing Muay Thai, you know, my whole adult life. And yeah, uh, yeah I saw that you were into it too. Yeah, so um, it was by chance I was at an expo in Sydney and I bumped into an MMA fighter who said they were fighting in Melbourne and that's when I lived in Melbourne at the time. And he said... Um, 
I've got my way in. Can you come bring me a produce box after so that I can eat organic like before my fight? I said, yeah, sure. I was like, what's MMA? And he told me and I was horrified. <laughs> and I went home and I Googled it and I saw these people in a cage and I was just like, that's, that's scary. <laughs> but I went, I went to the weigh-in and I brought the produce box and I met some beautiful people. And I was like, these guys were calm and women, but it was they were calm and centred and focused and polite and welcoming. And I thought, oh, this is interesting, like individual sport. These fighters want the edge. And, um, and this guy got a produce box. And it's funny, as a result of that weigh-in, I met um, an American MMA fighter who was there um, at the fight, at the event. He was the main, he was one of the main events, Jesse Taylor. So Jesse, he was in Ultimate. I think I know Jesse Taylor. Now uh, series twenty five. He um he never he was in seven and then twenty five. Um and Jesse, uh, Jesse and I became friends and he was very interested in what I was doing and so Jesse really helped put me on the map in the Melbourne fight scene because he he came back to train with Brian Eversole before one of Brian's fights and I got to um deliver produce to Brian and talk about organic food with them. Um, you know, I ended up helping Jesse for a two-week period and, um, you know, feeding him all organic vegan food and he got great results. And then I thought, hang on, um, I, I ended up, I was going to America for a festival, Woodstock Fruit Festival, and I stopped off in California and I was like, why, Jesse, why haven't you maintained what I was, you know, doing with you? And then he said, well, you didn't teach me. And then the I was like, hang on, cool, I can teach them. Instead of making food for them, I can teach them. And that's how it all started. And through Jesse, I met a lot of different fighters and people and um, I got to, yeah, I got to teach them just the basics of eating organic. Um, obviously, I teach them plant-based food eating and I think a lot of them, whether they announce it publicly or they do it privately, they do cut out animal products. Um, I mean, the traditional Gracie diet, um, you know, Jitsu thing is no animal products that you know they all thrive without eating animals and um and that's that's what they advocate so um that's how it all started and then I started going into different fight gyms and teaching them about nutrition or you know when Jesse was back in Australia we were doing some um some workshops and he would do a workshop and then I would feed everyone green smoothies and then talk about organics and then people would get produce boxes. And the thing is about most of the fighters in the, on the amateur level is a lot of them never cooked for themselves. So it was an awesome challenge to go, okay, you know what, you want to drop a few kilos or you want to um, improve your health, but a lot of them just wanted to drop weight quickly. Um, yeah. I'd say, okay, I'll deliver produce box. You can eat anything in this box, like the whole week. And they were like, what? I can eat potatoes, sweet potatoes. I can have unlimited fruit. I said, just eat that. And then a few other things. And then I showed them recipes. And on the average, they were dropping, you know, four kilos in one week and eating more food than they'd ever eaten because they were eating healthy food, organic food. So they're cutting out the chemicals and they were cutting out the animal consumption. And whilst I didn't tell them, you cannot eat this, you know, with animals, a lot of them went towards just eating more plant-based and feeling more energized, feeling better, drinking more smoothies, like just to get more calories and energy, you know, because they were training hard, you know, banana date, spinach kind of smoothies. Um, but just 
all feeling more energetic. A lot of them reduced or eliminated coffee consumption, you know, and just found more energy in the food that they ate. So it all started from there and then it, it grew and it, you know, I just ended up teaching a lot of fighters and I loved it because they're so receptive to new things and they are individual athletes so that they want that edge. Um, they want to do what other people aren't doing. And to me, it's just logic. Instead of pounding down the supplements and all these different, who knows what people are eating, all these prepackaged meals that all a lot of fighters are eating in prep for their fights. And it's like there's very little energy left in that food besides calories, you know, um, vibrance. And, you know, when you're reheating meals, especially in that microwave, um, it's like instead of teaching them to be reliant on someone, teach them how to cook, teach them how to live for themselves all the time and eat healthy. And so many of those athletes that I've worked with have become examples to other people and have like even the amateur athletes, some of them never cooked before. And now I still see them like 10 years later posting their food on social media and showing what they cooked. You know, they developed an interest in looking after their health and their body. Like not just shove in supplements, shove in these pre-made meals and get to training, just realising the impact of the change in their diet and how it affects their mind and their body. And one of the fighters I worked with before the weigh-ins, it was a USC fight night in Sydney. He was the only fighter of all of them that actually looked alive. The others looked so drained, dehydrated, like lifeless, limp. And he looked radiant. He was glowing and he said to me he was eating I helped him in that fight week leading up to the fight in Sydney and he was eating right up until the day before weigh-in and he was still having the green juices and the smoothies and the and the even muesli because he was also basing it on Grace, the Gracie diet at the time and he looked great, you know, just vibrant and um, everyone else starves themselves and, you know, does completely unhealthy things with their brain. I mean, I just always say, how can you... If you were playing a football grand final on the Sunday, like rugby or soccer or whatever, how can you, you know, the, the biggest week of your year, how can you starve yourself the week of your football match and expect to perform at 100% and also mentally? How can you expect to be on when you're depleting and starving yourself of that, of, you know, vital nutrition? So it's really important for me to teach them to be healthy all the time. And sure, if you want to drop a little bit or you need to for that weight class, then there are methods and you can cut back, but still add nutrition all the time, you know, green juices or those kind of things. Yeah, there's, um, there's two things happening, I feel like, in, in, in MMA specifically. Um, one is what fighters used to do is they, the, when they're in camp, they would cut a lot of weight. And then when they're out of camp, they would just balloon up. Right. And then back in camp again, and then they have to cut 50, 60 pounds and then balloon back up. And now they tend to kind of stay fairly healthy throughout the majority of the year. Yeah. Um, they just, they'll, 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 they're, I don't want to say fight ready, but close to fight ready. That way, when they're in camp and when they're close to fight week, they don't have to cut too much. And the other thing you're seeing is a lot of fighters are just bumping up uh, a weight division. So if they're 170, they're going to 185, 185, 205, et cetera, et cetera. Because depleting your, like you said, right, you're, you're very correct. Depleting yourself 
of, of all the nutrients. Um, and, and you saw a lot of people that wanted to go down a weight class of what they're naturally at. Yeah. They had really, really bad results. Like it did not go well. They yeah. quote, there's a, they, they lost their chin, which is basically they get knocked out quicker. Um, they're depleting themselves to a, to a point where you're just, it's impossible. You're not going to be able to perform at your best the following day. It's just, it's just physically impossible. Yeah. It looks, it's, it's awful to see, you know, they're drunk and, you know, they are role models, like people look at them and, uh, and see that. And that's, yeah, it's definitely not natural. I remember Conor McGregor when he, he used to drop to 135 and just seeing his skeleton 45, yeah. on the stage, yeah. like oh, 145, sorry. And um, yeah. the thing I loved one day with Conor, cause a lot of people say, Oh, don't eat fruit makes you fat and all that. And don't eat too many bananas. And, you know, I was fruitarian for a while and that's when I was actually at my skinniest because I was like always exercising I was because I had all this energy. I was cycling and running like most days. But I'm big into bananas now. I'm working for a biodynamic banana farm in the summer and, um, and I remember watching one of the UFC, uh, like the lead-ins to, you know, what they, before the show, the fight week, you know, they do those. Weigh-ins? The weigh-ins? No, the videos, you know, leading up to the fight week. I've forgotten what they used to show the UFC, like. Embedded? Like, yes, embedded. That's it. And I see yeah, yeah. Conor McGregor at Whole Foods um, and they don't say it or show it like, oh, he's shopping organically or whatever, but he's at Whole Foods. And I saw him pushing a trolley and there was a mountain of bananas in that trolley. <laughs> ah, does everyone else see that? Conor McGregor is eating organic bananas and he's shopping at Whole Foods. And the Diaz brothers also in those embedded series, they're always eating at Whole Foods. They're always eating organic. Um, and they won't, no one will say that. No one's really talking about it. Even, you know, the UFC fighters, you can see the ones who are eating organic, they're always you know, healthy. They're always focused on health. They're never weight cutting to extremes because they care about their bodies long term. Um, but yeah, the, the Diaz brothers are mostly raw vegans, especially I think in in fight camp. Maybe not on the regular, but in fight camp, uh, I've heard them say both of them that they eat uh, mainly uh, raw vegan diet. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, and, and their cardio is off the yeah. chains. Their cardio is second to none. Yeah, they they eat a bit of marine life. I've seen some posts with um, some prawns or something like that, but I think they used to be more strict with their vegan or vegetarian diet. I know that Jake Shields used to be vego bordering on vegan for a long time, um, but they know, like you know, they're big into jujitsu and and that diet, so that's their influence too. They know that. I just think it it's you know they know it's good for their mind too and their body, but. Definitely. How many bananas do you eat a day? I used to go crazy on them. Like I used to, when I was fruitarian, um, I don't put a number on it. Like right now I'm staring at a box and a half of bananas because we had extra on the weekend um, that I got to take and I'll peel and freeze them. So when I have friends over or in the summer or after su- swim rises, I'll be doing more smoothies and I'll bringing, be bringing like frozen banana smoothies down. So I'll peel and freeze these. And some days, like in the mornings, I'll have, um, you know, I'll have a green, a green juice, uh, and then and then just eat bananas all morning, you know, if I've got them. But then in winter, I just eat less fruit, I eat less, um, less bananas, and I eat more vegetables. Just naturally, it's just whatever's good. But now, yeah, I'll be eating, let's just say, a lot 
with bananas. And I find, you know, you know, I used to have, um, you know, I used to be concerned about my weight a lot, but now I've just, ever since I went organic, it's the focus is now about health gain, not fat loss. And so the healthier I am, the more imbalanced my body will be. If I'm carrying a few extra winter kilos or anything like that, it's just a result of lifestyle that I'm probably not sleeping enough or I'm not exercising enough or I'm stressed out, all those kind of things. But I find if you focus on health and you eat a variety of plant-based organic foods, then your body will find its way, obviously not overeating, um, which is, yeah, I just find I know when I've eaten too much or when I haven't eaten enough and I just try and, you know, I mean, I have a, a routine in general, but, you know, if I've, if I don't feel like bananas that day, I'm not going to eat any. And then the other day when I got the box of bananas, I probably had 15 of them. Um, yeah. They're small and on the way home and, you know, I was really hungry and instead of stopping in somewhere that's not organic, I'd take bananas and I'm full. So, yeah, I used to be big into mono meals and just eating one fruit, you know, and until I was full. And that's, you know, the fruitarian style, the fruitarian way. And it didn't work for me uh, long term. Um, and I do like the variety, but it did help me in the short term. It's, you know, it was easy on the digestion. It gave me a lot of energy. I did drop a lot of body fat because I feel the more carbohydrates I ate in the form of raw fruit, the more exercise I was doing. And same as now, I'm training again more, I'm moving more because I'm eating more, you know, fruits. It gives, it gives me life. And I think that um, a lot of people rely on caffeine in the mornings to get them through the morning and then they're ravenous at lunchtime. Guilty. Um, yeah. And instead of that, yeah. I do green smoothies. I do banana smoothies. Like Jesse Taylor's coach, when I was helping him with his food, he got annoyed at me because we were doing green smoothies in the morning. He's like, I now don't have that habit or that addiction or that hunger for coffee anymore. He's like, I'm so annoyed at you, you know, because he stopped <laughs> He had a different, you know, different source of energy and I feel like it's a more real source. And that's that's what really helps me exercise more and be more productive is if I'm eating more fruit. Um, I know that when I drank coffee, it was also at a time, whenever I drink coffee, it's a a time when I'm not living my purpose or doing exactly what I want to in life and I drink coffee in the morning to get through my morning and then at lunch I'm like, oh, I'm starving and I eat a lot. Um, or I eat something that I'm so hungry because my hunger all of a sudden has gone through the roof and I'll eat something that I probably wouldn't usually, like I start eating bread and then, you know, then I get clogged and then it's a whole cycle and then my sleep is affected and then the next day I'm on the coffee again. So um, yeah. Yeah, I just stopped drinking coffee. Like, I mean, I've gone through phases in my 12-year period of being organic or 13 years, but, um, yeah, it's been a year pretty much since I've had a coffee. and. Yeah, fruit just does it better for me. And the big thing about not drinking coffee is my skin's better. Um, I'm more hydrated. Um, so that, you know, that is also a great benefit. Yeah. 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 There's, um, yeah, coffee is a funny one, right? Because yeah. it's one of those things where people will literally stand outside a Starbucks, which they have horrible coffee. I'm sorry, Starbucks, you do yeah. Um, but there'll be a line of like 40 people in the morning, you know, they, they're taking time out of their day. They're not going to work. They're just waiting to get their coffee. Like that's how much they need their coffee. 
And I always like there's a, you know, in the town that I'm at, there's a Starbucks where I see that line. And then across the street, there's a great little like third wave boutique coffee shop. And they have like high level coffee. And I'm usually the only one there. <laughs> like I'm, I don't understand why everyone's going to Starbucks. But there is a dependency. There is. Um, highest, yeah, it's um, got the most used legal drug in the world. It's, easily. It's a, yeah, it's. It's a drug and it's... Maybe a, after sugar, probably. Yeah. Well, true. That's true. Sugar's in so much. But, um, yeah, I have very unpopular opinions and beliefs on caffeine consumption and what it's designed to do. Um, but <laughs> but I really, I know, and my, my thing is, you know, people are going to still eat, drink coffee. So that's why I advocate even more so, great, eat more fruits, eat more vegetables. And then eventually your body will find what it, what is right for it. The thing is, I've never, ever met someone who said, you know what, I've just taken up coffee consumption, now I feel much healthier. You know, I've never heard that. I've only ever heard the opposite. I've only ever heard someone or people say, I feel much better, I'm off coffee, I sleep better, I don't have anxiety, um, I eat more healthy food, I'm just a better person to be around. Those are the general things I hear when I... Um, speak to people about quitting coffee and the injury levels as well go down. If fighters have niggling injuries, I just say, yep, get off coffee for three days, drink green smoothies, see what happens. And it takes a few days for your energy to shift into like, you know, I'm not craving or hanging for the coffee or the headache. You know, people get headaches the day after they, if they stop coffee for a day, they're like, oh, and then I had my coffee and then the headache went away. So yeah, you just suppressed what was going on and you're, you know, give it three days. And, you know, when I got off coffee, I would just be doing it on the weekend or three days where I wouldn't be seeing many people and just feel it and get it out the system. And that's the thing. I feel like it's, we get into sedation cycle and it's, well, for me personally, it sedated me. Um, it just, one of my friends in America would say that coffee makes him do things that he wouldn't usually do without caffeine. caffeine. And I'm like, well, if it, if you require caffeine to inspire you into something, then maybe you're not inspired to do it without the caffeine. So that was me too. Like when I was working in childcare and I was like, cool, I'm going to drink a coffee and keep going. And then I came back from Thailand. I did a month in Thailand doing Muay Thai at a training camp. And so obviously I was drinking coffee because I was eating fruit and I was having the time of my life. I was in the sun training hard and hanging around people. I got back and I went back into childcare. And after one day without coffee, I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I in healthcare? I hate all of this. What it, and it was, it really made me question and change my life choices because I felt like I'd stopped being sedated uh, and I was bored. I was extremely bored. So I did one more week of what I was doing and then I had to change. I had to walk away because I, I started to see things differently. And, um, and then I realized that the coffee was just keeping me in a cycle that I didn't want to like it was just too hard to get out of once I was using that. And that's my own personal experience, but I just I do feel that it has long-term effects on the body and the brain. And that's the most that's the most important thing to me is what we're putting in our bodies for brain health and uh yeah and what it does. So the more I studied about coffee, especially last year when I was in Perth and reading about it and listening to podcasts, um psychiatrists and psychologists talking about it, I went Yep, I just want to give my brain the best chance. 
I want to get to 90 or 100 and not have to, you know, not have that brain degeneration or these issues uh, that are resulting from, you know, different consumption of different substances. By the time you're 90 or 100, I think you could, you'll just be able to download your uh, your sentient consciousness onto a machine and potentially live forever. So <laughs> let's hope not. It, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely on the way. I don't know uh, with with Elon Musk and a lot of other tech uh, tech gurus out there. There's definitely a chance that we could see that in the next I don't know 20, 30 years, 40 years, maybe. We'll see. Anything is possible. Everything is yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah. How um how was because I you, you so you said in the beginning that you do um you go out in the ocean and for people who don't know the the ocean in Australia is freezing. It's, oh, it's no. really cold. It's warm down in Sydney a few weeks ago. It was cold. It's like fifteen degrees, which in Fahrenheit ah. Uh, what could that be? Yeah, 50? that's probably fifty. No. Yeah, it's probably fifty ish. High fifties, because it's not. I remember in California when I was jumping in, and I did it rarely without a wetsuit. But when I lived in California, I I surfed a little bit, and that was colder. Like I'm talking Santa Barbara, California. Like it was warmer in um, down south, but yeah, warmer in Australia than there. There are the further north you go, like up here, it's pretty much room temperature, nearly room temperature. And some of the mornings I go in in winter. It's cold outside and it's warmer in the ocean, so you want to stay in the ocean. Really? Yeah, because it's like the temperature, the coldest it got here was like mid, actually low 50s Fahrenheit, and but the water temperature was a lot higher. It's in the 60s. So once you get in, first when you get in, it's cold out, um, but once you get in, yeah, you can stay in for half an hour before you realise, oh, it's going to be cold when I get out. But um, we were doing swim rise in Perth in Western Australia and there's a huge group there called the Human Excellence Project and and people, we were jumping in in the middle of winter and that was four degrees Celsius outside. So that was, you know, nearly in the 30s. Hold on, not 30s? Yeah, um, Fahrenheit. Sorry, I'm getting my, yeah. I have been to America in a while. Yeah. So that's like high, that's fine. It's like high 30s probably, yeah. yeah 32 is zero, so. Yeah. yeah, so it was high 30s and then jumping in the ocean, it was like 18, nearly room temperature. So, I mean, it was freezing out. But once you get in, you it's a whole different, you feel good. And for me, the swim rise and jumping in first thing in the morning, it's just such a good start to your day mentally. And, you know, if you're complaining in your head or you've got lots going on, as soon as you jump in the ocean, all of that, can be forgotten and that's what happens to me usually if I've had a bad night's sleep or I didn't sleep enough I'm just you jump in and it's all gone you know so great for your mood it's great it's such a great way to start the day yeah and you and you did the the Wim Hof um right I guess Wim Hof method or Wim Hof course uh, in in Australia yeah last year I got very involved in Wim Hof method and I was doing ice baths and breath work a lot um probably at least, yeah, a few times a month. Um, I catered for a retreat late in November, which was out at the snow. So um, the guests, I got to do it at the end because I was busy in the kitchen, but I got into the lake, which was nearly freezing, like nearly, you know, yeah. freezing temperature. And it was beautiful to do it in fresh, you know, real water as opposed to the baths. 
Um, but I've recently got back into it. A friend of mine is an instructor in Sydney, Dean, and he he does online courses and and in person. He's got a beautiful setup at his home, and and I really enjoyed having that break from it. But I love getting back into it and um, getting in the ice and doing that. I think also really helped me shift um, shift a lot of areas of my life over last year and making different decisions and also yeah, it's it's like doing really hard stuff that you don't want to do but is exhilarating and afterwards it just helps you, it helps you, you know, for me it helps me get back into myself, feel more myself and decide what I really want to do in life and take more risks and um, which is kind of how I got up here uh, indirectly because I, I feel like the Wim Hof Method and doing that um, helped me take that step. It's been it's been a long time, like I've wanted to live up here for at least 12 years and, it, yeah, I finally made that step and left Sydney um, late last yeah. year or this year, yeah, because I love being near family and friends but I just wanted to be up here and I, I think that that had a real impact on my decision-making process first to go to Bali and then from Bali when I, I was in Bali and I was, I was like, I'm not going back to Sydney when I go back, I'm coming up north. And I did it, and I feel like that that helped me, um, yeah, make those changes. Yeah. That's like my that. cousin. Li- my cousin literally did the exact same thing. He lives in Sydney. Um, I think it was last year, maybe the year before. He flew up to Bali, and now he lives somewhere up north. Um, I'm not sure exactly what town, but very a similar story. Yeah. How funny! Yeah. yeah. Do you, have you done the ice uh, ice bars and the Wim Hof method, the breath work before? Yeah, I did it last year. He came to New York uh, in wintertime, so it, I, I want to say I want to say it was like March or or something like that. And uh, and we did it outside. We like he had the pools all set up, and you know we were waiting in our uh, some in our underwear, some in our bathing suits, no shirts on, no you know just just bathing suits, and um, probably I want to say a good. 10 minutes we were just waiting for the pools to open up so you know march new york it's already cold so you're just doing the the breath work and then when you go in it's like a shock to the system it was just (gasps) and then you kind of have to you know you know i mean yeah you you do the breathing you have a guy i remember there was a guy there and he he was on the other side of the pool he kind of just looked me straight in the eyes and he was like (sighs) and he was showing me how to do the the breath work that we just worked on and like you said, it was honestly it was an amazing experience. I mean, I didn't have a um, community of people to kind of keep doing it afterwards. But I always thought um, I always saw the 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 potential that it had, and uh, I feel like at some point I'm going to definitely keep doing it um, and more seriously. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever I posted about that Wim Hof method and the breath work, and we would do this hoo ha hoo ha afterwards, like after yeah. the bath to keep warm. And I also got so many comments about, like, oh my gosh, you're in a cult. And it was like, I was like, this is the <laughs> I could be part of because I really, you know, it's a really nice method where there's a lot of community groups that I know all around Australia, different meetups. And I was involved in some. There's one up in Byron Bay, um, there's one in Sydney, or a few in Sydney. Um, and people keep, you know, they use that as a, a connection a connection tool. And that's why I, I'm like, yeah, if that's a cult, 
that's the kind of cult I'd want to be involved with. There's, you know, there's a lot of happiness and joy and, you know, it, you get out of the ice bath and you're happy. You feel good. And yeah. you're mixing with other people and, you know, we have a meal afterwards or share food. But that it's, um, yeah, it was really, I met a lot of beautiful people through doing those things. And, um, yeah, Wim Hof is an incredible man to look into what he's done and what he's been through in his life and um, and the feats that he, you know, how many world records he's broken. And I mean, that, that guy's mind is incredible what, you know, shows what, us humans are really capable of and you know you look at where we are performing in life and what we are doing and that we just we haven't even scraped the surface and I know I know that when I do that it gives me more guts and uh, determination to do things that I'm a little bit scared of you know or worried about like doing this like public speaking or talking on Instagram you know those things that just the fear can melt away after you do um, Wim Hof stuff yeah an icing. Yeah, it's um, it's. I mean, it's amazing. It's definitely not a cult. A hundred percent not a cult. <laughs> but, but um, I feel like as as humans, and I think I, I spoke about this uh, with another guest um, a couple of days ago. We're so you know, it hasn't been easy for humans, um, Homo sapiens, for the last two hundred thousand years, up until maybe a hundred years ago with the advent of all these different technologies and things that made our life really easy, uh, foods accessible, technology, the lights on, you know, foods in the fridge. It's, you know, we have a car, we can get from A to B fairly quickly. Um, there's modern medicine. And, but I think our evolution and our biology is hardwired for hardship because that's all we've ever experienced. And, I wonder if that's why people feel so alive when they do these cold immersions or when they go on sparring races or when you do something really difficult, like, um, I don't know, I, I love mountaineering and I love hiking and I love being outdoors. And, you know, you, there's a sense of accomplishment when you do like a difficult task. Right. And I just feel like we're too comfortable. It's just, everything's too easy for us. And, and especially in the modern world, maybe not so much in, in, in developing nations, uh, they can, they want our, uh, convenience, but I feel like in the modern world where it is very easy, uh, for the most part and convenient, we are looking for those things to, to go through something tough, to challenge us physically and mentally so we can feel like we accomplished something and, and feel like we are better on the other side. Yeah. After we accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. We do have it very easy in uh, so many ways and it, it does, it, it definitely shocks your system into action. I think those things, yeah, yeah it's true. I, I think of, yeah, our lifestyle on the whole. I mean, some people do have some challenges, a lot of people nowadays, but but we do have it, most of us have it fairly easy and comfortable. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely love it. I'm glad that I'm back doing that because, yeah, it was 10 months between nearly or nine months between ice baths and I thought I'd never do it. And it would be hard going and doing that in winter because wherever I've done it, besides the lake, it's always been pretty warm uh, outside. You should, you should do it in winter. That's the, yeah. that's the real challenge. Yeah. And even our winter hasn't been bad, but, um, but I also the other day or a few weeks ago now when I was in Sydney, um, I was in the ocean and that ocean was the coldest Sydney ocean I've ever been in. And then I jumped straight into the ice bath when I got back to my friend's house. So that was from cold to cold. And uh, the yeah. neighbor, 
the neighbours heard all about it. I did <laughs> a little bit of a scream, but um, but yeah, it was really really wonderful day afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome. It's um, you live a very um a very healthy life. Uh, I feel like I don't know if you know it's. I feel like Australians in general. I, I don't know if it's because you're by the ocean or it's because it's sunny year round. But there's just or because it's a it's a very like sporty, athletic country for the most part. Yeah. I just feel like for the most part, people look pretty healthy and seem pretty uh, healthy in Australia. I would love to believe that that was true, <laughs> but but yeah. I mean because we have. We have the same as what you have in America. We have those extremes. Uh, yeah. However, we do, like in the cities and in these regions, we do have a very outdoorsy culture um, and healthy food culture. So it is, I mean, it's like California here where on the whole, I mean, you get some very unhealthy parts of California, but then yeah. the yeah, people are outside, the farmer's market's there and the produce there is some of the best I've ever had in the world. Like that was the easiest place to live for organic food and farmer's market. It's kind of that same culture and lifestyle that we do live here. However, there are very big extremes to and We have more of an obesity problem per capita, I think, than America does. So Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just, see, it's what you see on Instagram. You see the best. Yeah. Those, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, you America, can't. you're not number one. America's always they say that we're number one, not number one anymore. I'm definitely certain that we we have a high percentage of um, obesity, people overweight. You drive into the country areas and there's no healthy food and there's everything. It's very, um, you know, in most cafes here now you have vegan options, you know, whereas you go you go into yeah country areas, there's everything's meat pies and steaks and chips and pub meals so um yeah still being a vegan in those regions is like a little bit funny or you know and eating organic is not a thing um but yeah we on the whole especially living here we do aspire to live an outdoor lifestyle it's easier when the weather's hot all the time or warm you know the colder it gets you still can go out and go for a run or go for a walk in the middle of winter so it's much easier to do that than, say, in Vermont when it gets so icy that you just want to hide for a few months. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite. I love I love Vermont. I love it when it snows. Like when I see snow outside, I'm like a little kid in Christmas. I just run out. I do snow angels. I, you know, I, I, I love snow. I, uh, I, that's why I actually love New England. It really has all four seasons. Like you really feel each season. Like now fall is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, like this, the, everything's very scenic and, and you know, the, the colors of the trees and all the leaves on the ground. It's, it's really beautiful. It I love that area. My friend, have you heard of Tim Van Orden? No. He's the running raw guy. Like he was doing raw food stuff and vegan stuff like 10, 15 years ago. Like, and he... He's an incredibly intelligent man and he he's just, yeah, he was very inspiring to me when I started being vegan and raw and he um, he's a snowshoe runner in Vermont. Um, he's like, and he's also, oh, wow. he does trail running and um, he's a really interesting guy. Like he's, yeah, he's fa- fascinating to talk to and, uh, yeah, I just love watching how he loves the winters there. And I'm like, you're mad. He's like, yep, it's the best time of year. Put my snowshoes on, off I go. And yeah, yeah. I think Tim's over 50 now, but he he's an athlete. He's like, 
he beats the 30-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, and he's been uh, he's no longer raw vegan, but I think he's been vegan for probably at least maybe 15, 20 years or something. But, wow. yeah, I never, because I grew up in a, you know, a summer culture, I, yeah, just shy away from winter and winter spots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks nice <laughs> <with> photos, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, I, yeah, it's either you love it or you don't. Some people they just don't like the cold, especially in New England where it gets really cold. Um, but some people like myself, I uh, I absolutely love it. Like I I literally wait all year just for those four or five months of snow or not eh, not five probably yeah I would say December January eh, December to maybe like late March early uh, April. Um, where you can go up in the mountains, you can snowboard. It's just its favorite time of year. You enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send pick. <laughs> I was in Boston in January for UFC one year and uh, yeah. minus 17 degrees uh, Celsius. And I just come out before the fight day of oh, the weigh-ins. I went to a training gym and I came out and my hair was wet and I didn't Probably. realize you don't do that. And I was like, what's going on? And it was just, it's a whole new experience being even below zero, like freezing point. And it was minus 17. And I, I first thought, oh, this is easy. What is it? What's wrong with it? And then I was walking to Whole Foods and no one was in the street. I was like, where is everyone? And then after a few minutes of walking, I realized it's too cold to walk like a few blocks. But yeah, it's a very different experience. And it, but it looks pretty. It was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell you the secret. It's all about layers. Layers, yeah. If you do, if you do the layers properly, you should be fine, but it's all about the layers. People don't layer properly. If you yeah. layer properly, you'll 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 be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with the summer, the Queensland summer. Yeah, it's getting yeah, hot. Yeah, summer yet. Yeah, but um, it's lovely Most here. People are. Yeah. Uh, well, Nikki, I want to thank you so much. I, I, had, I had a really fun time. Uh, it was great talking to you and learning so much about organic farming and why it's so important. And I really hope more people. You know, if people can, people reach out to you if they have questions on Instagram, um, yeah, stuff definitely. like that. Yeah, I'll, I'm redoing my blog and my website, so hopefully that'll come up soon when I get some more time for my own projects. But um, in the meantime, I'm posting on Instagram on my own account, and I'd love for people to ask questions, especially about where can I get organic food or um, those kind of questions. And I can also direct people to other other Instagrammers who share some really great content about it. So yeah, I'd love for Love for people to ask questions. Yes, cool. So you guys, reach out. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy we could do it. Uh, people, reach out to her if you have any questions about food, health, farmers in your area, or anything of the sorts. Uh, feel free to reach out to Nikki. Uh, she, you know, she responded to me fairly quickly, so I'm sure she'll get to you as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and I'll put it, I'll put the, 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 the links in the show notes, make it easy for everyone to find. And yeah, hopefully we can, uh, you know, chat again, maybe next year after this whole COVID situation is, uh, is done, hopefully. Oh yeah. Whatever happens. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would like <laughs> to thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for chatting to me. All right. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Nikki. Great, thanks. <laughs>